Okay, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. Two whole verses today. Let me read those for you. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Thank God. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Let's pray. Father God, we lift up this time in your word. We ask God that you would bless this study, that you would feed our spirits, strengthen us, Lord, so that we can be the end times warriors for Christ that you've called us to be, Lord. Father, we just pray that you'd equip your saints now as we study this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. A new heaven and a new earth. Now, based on Isaiah 65, 17, which I'll read for you in a moment, interestingly enough, the ancient Jews believed that God would renew the heavens and the earth at the end of 7,000 years. And again, we young earthers who believe that the earth is approximately 6,000 years old, every time I read something about millions of years and billions of years, it just makes me sick. It's all conjecture. It's all speculation. These scientists don't have a clue. They're just guessing. From their limited human perspective, they can't imagine how all of this could come together in such a short period of time. But there's plenty of evidence to support the young earth belief. Okay? And again, the ancient peoples, the Jews and other groups, believed that. And they believed that the new heaven and the new earth would come at the end of 7,000 years. And guess what? We're right at the beginning of the seventh millennium right now. Which means Jesus needs to come really soon. And I believe he will. Let me read that for you. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And this is way back hundreds of years before Christ. And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Now, I believe every indication in the scriptures is that we will know each other in God's eternal kingdom. But... We will not remember the pain, the sorrow, and the tribulations of this life. They will be totally eclipsed by the joy and the peace that we have in the presence of God in our eternal glorified bodies. And I'm sure you guys, just like me, when you think about the possibility of one or more of your loved ones not being there with you to share in eternity, in God's presence, it can be a sad thing. We want them all to be there, don't we? I pray for my family constantly. Lord, don't even let one of them be lost to the fires of hell. But bring them all into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Draw them to yourself, Father. Give them the gift of faith and the gift of repentance. I don't even want to think about one of my kids or grandkids not being there with me. Only God knows for sure. I hope and pray that they will all be there. But when we get there, if you're worried about that, if you're worried, I don't want to go through eternity grieving over the ones that didn't make it. That's not going to happen. You're going to be so enthralled in the glory of God and the presence of God, of Jesus Christ, the joy and the peace that we have in his presence. There'll be no more weeping, no more sadness, no more sorrow. 
And so now in this life, that's, this is the time to pray for them, to be concerned about them, to do our best to win them to Christ. Because in eternity, they may not all be there, but at that point in time, that will not be an issue for us. Okay, a new heaven, a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away. And we saw back in chapter 20, the destruction of this present earth takes place right after the casting of Satan into the eternal lake of fire, not the abyss. He's cast into the abyss at the beginning of the millennium for a thousand years. At the end of that time, he is cast into the lake of fire at the same time as the destruction of all wicked people who under the deception of Satan rebel against Christ at the end of the millennium. And then we have that great white throne judgment which we looked at last week. Revelation 20, verse 11, John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And so there's that uh, first preview of the old earth and the old heaven passing away. At the great white throne judgment, the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So this present creation, which... Some have said it's like a giant alarm clock slowly winding down. It's the exact opposite of the secular humanists, the Darwinists, talking about evolution. Things have not actually been getting better and better. There's been a slow de-evolution taking place. Now, we've been able to make up for that with all the modern technology, the artificial intelligence and all that, but there are many indicators that ancient man was actually intellectually superior to modern man. And I don't think you have to look very far to see confirmation of that. <laughs> the things they were able to accomplish without technology, the pyramids, different things like that. The things, think about the things that ancient man accomplished without any of the modern technology resources that we have today. But nonetheless, the world like a giant alarm clock, slowly winding down. It'll be destroyed, ultimately, so that it may be cleansed from... Even in the millennium, we saw how people were deceived by Satan and once again rebelled against God. So this entire creation that we're now living in will be destroyed, cleansed from all the effects of sin, and replaced by an eternal heaven and earth that will never again erode or deteriorate. Paradise. I want to look for a moment at 2 Peter, because just within a very few verses, Peter gives us an amazing overview of thousands of years of history. We start in verse 5 where he says, For this they, and he's referring here to the scoffers, he talks about the scoffers who will mock, Christians, and actually from what I've seen in that passage, the scoffers will rise up from within the church. How many of you know believers or people who identify as believers that scoff at the idea of Jesus coming soon? You know anybody like that? Oh, they don't believe in the rapture. They say Jesus may not come for hundreds or even thousands of years. Have you talked to anybody like that who says they're a Christian, but they don't really believe Jesus is coming soon. 
the scoffers, the, where is the promise of his coming for all things continue on as they always have? So for this they, the scoffers, willfully forget. So often people try to act like, well, I want to believe, I just can't. No, it's a choice. It's a choice. They willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. So here Peter's speaking about creation. God spoke the universe into existence. And then verse 6 he says, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. So we see in the creation story in Genesis the dry land being set apart from the waters and so forth. And then we read in Genesis 6 where those waters deep within the earth, and by the way, I just read an article where they now think that deep within the earth's core there is a massive reservoir of water. And the Bible tells us that at the Noah's flood, not only did it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, the, the water deep within the earth erupted. And they just had a underwater volcano over by Tonga, and we had these uh, four-foot tsunami waves come up. Little previews of coming attractions. Being flooded with water, so God used the water that he had created to destroy the earth, Noah's flood. But 1 Peter 3, 7, the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, the word that God spoke all things into existence by, all God has to do is speak the word. Let there be light, right? And then he spoke the word and Noah's flood came. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire. God promised Noah he would never again destroy the world with a flood, right? But he didn't promise he'd never destroy the world again. He just said, not with a flood. Well, this time, Peter confirms here for us, it's reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. It's speaking of this great white throne judgment, casting everyone, the devil, you know, the, the false prophet, the beast, and all unholy, unrighteous, unredeemed human beings, into perdition, into the lake of fire. And then, at that point, this present earth and heavens are destroyed, a new heaven, a new earth. By the same spoken word by which he created the world, he will destroy it. He will destroy it by fire at the time when he judges the ungodly men. And women, unfortunately. The day of the Lord. We're talking about this extended period of time the day of the lord begins at the beginning of the tribulation the rapture it ends at the conclusion of the millennium with the destruction of the heavens and the earth first thessalonians 5 2 paul writes to the thessalonians you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord so comes as a thief in the night the reason they knew perfectly is because paul had taught them and so the day of the lord we're right at the, at the edge of that now. It'll begin with the rapture, then the tribulation, the millennium, the great white throne judgment, the destruction of the old heavens, the old earth, and the 
creation of the new eternal one. 2 Peter 3.10a, the day of the Lord will come. So Peter, again, is covering this thousands of years in just a few verses. He says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So we've talked about the day of the Lord. And then in the second half of verse 10, the heavens will pass away with great noise. You see, it's all compacted. Just like we've talked about in the Old Testament, many times the prophecies of the first coming of Christ and the second coming are grouped together. And that's why the scholars, the rabbis, the members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish rulers and leaders of Jesus' day didn't understand who he was because they didn't understand the first coming and the second coming. They had lumped them together. And we see the same thing here with Peter, how he compacts thousands of years into just a few verses. And so now, at the end of the millennium, the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up, or one translation says, laid bare. And there's a significance there. We'll talk about that. I'm going to read this section from three more translations. First, the New American Standard. The earth and its works will be discovered. The International Standard Version, the earth and everything done on it will be exposed. The New Living Translation, the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. We go back to the original one. It'll be burned up or laid bare. Now, here's an interesting point. The earth was destroyed the first time by a flood, right? But that didn't mean that it went away. It was still here. There was a worldwide flood that devastated the planet, changed the geography, changed the topography. That's why you find fossils of sea creatures out in the New Mexico desert because this all used to be covered with water once upon a time as was the whole world. The Bible refers to that as the earth being destroyed but it was still here it had just completely changed and so there is this possibility which some theologians some Bible scholars have put forth that the earth when it talks about this earth being destroyed, we have a new heaven and a new earth, it will be similar. God's going to destroy it, so to speak, with fire and then refurbish it, replenish it, renew it. And really it doesn't matter one way or the other if it's brand new or just refurbished. It's going to be brand new, it's going to be eternal, but it's kind of like... Uh, Somebody goes and gets a haircut, especially if it's kind of a radical one, like if I got all my hair cut off. You might run into me at the grocery store and not recognize me. You know, wow, I didn't even recognize you. That's a great haircut. It's a whole new you. So you might say the earth is going to get one heck of a haircut. It's an interesting thought because one translation does say it will be laid bare, just like Noah's flood, destroyed in the sense that it will emerge completely different. One way is no more difficult than the other for God. Okay, 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening 
the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Again, as we've mentioned before, the indicators at the last part of Revelation are that we won't need any sun, any moon, any stars, because God himself is going to be our light. God dwells in unapproachable light. Do you remember when Moses went up on the Mount Sinai and was there in the presence of God? He came back glowing. He put a hood on. He didn't want anybody to see this weird phenomenon. But after being in God's presence, Moses was glowing. Now you and I are going to dwell forever in his presence. We're going to be beings of light. We're going to reflect his light and his light they will need no light or the lamp or sun. Let me read that. Revelation 21, 23 and 20 through 25. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't know about you. I mean, you know, most dastardly deeds are done in the dark. Jesus talks about they, they dwell in the dark because their deeds are evil and so forth. I love light. Lots of light. And you're going to have it in God's eternal kingdom. Revelation 22.5, there shall be no night there. I'm assuming... That's an indication that we will not need to sleep either. Now, as I've gotten older, maybe I'm a little more appreciative of sleep than I used to be. I don't know. But I always kind of felt like sleeping was a waste of time. Eight hours where you just don't do anything. And I like to be doing things. We don't have to worry about it there. We won't, we won't need any sleep. There won't be any night. It's just going to be eternity. No time will be beyond time. Will be in the realm of eternity. They need no lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Again, let me refresh this verse 1, which is what we've been on this whole time. Revelation 20, verse 1 I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. Now, right now, Two-thirds to three-fourths of the earth today is covered with water. Did you know that? Salt water primarily, which cannot be ingested by man or beast. The only, you can float on it, you can fish in it, you can swim in it, but you can't drink it. And yet, two-thirds to three-fourths of our planet is covered with salt water, and these large bodies of water also have a major impact on the weather and climactic conditions that we have today. They also render the largest part of the earth uninhabitable by human beings. We have yet to really come up with a way to build cities on the ocean. You see some futuristic movies and so forth where they have these things, but in reality, nothing like that has taken place to any great extent. So, the new earth will have a perfect environment with lots of room for the righteous to roam. And there'll be springs and rivers. Revelation 21, verse 6, 
He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Revelation 22, verse 1, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. We won't need any more Culligan or any of the, you know, any, uh, the other water brands out there. Aquafina, none of that. No need for purifiers, filters, or bottled water. We're going to have the most amazing living water you could ever imagine. So back here to Revelation 21, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The New Jerusalem. The Greek language here denotes the brand new Jerusalem. This is not your father's Jerusalem. Galatians 4, 25 through 26. Hagar, remember her? She was Sarah's handmaiden who produced a son with Abraham, Ishmael. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem, because she is in slavery with her children. Remember, Abraham and Sarah doubted God, basically disobeyed God, and tried to fulfill God's promise by their own methods. We've never done that, have we? You ever tried to fulfill God's promise by your own methods? How did it work out for you? So Ishmael was rejected by God, even though he was the firstborn son, because they went outside of God's plan. And so Hagar and her offspring, she is in slavery with her children, and we still see the manifestation of that in the Middle East thousands of years later. But the Jerusalem that is, from, uh, that is above is free, and she is our mother. A mother represents comfort, nurture, security, and so forth. The Jerusalem that is above, or one translation says, the Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It says it right here, actually, it's two. So what do we know about this new Jerusalem? It already exists in heaven, and it's being prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I believe this is the place Jesus went to prepare for us when he said in John 14, 2, my father's house has many rooms. We know the King James has many mansions. And so we could uh, deduce from that that every room is the size of a mansion. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And so I believe this new Jerusalem is that place that Christ has been preparing for us, uses the analogy here, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So it's going to be amazingly beautiful. Now in Hebrews 11.10, He, Abraham, waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now every city we have on this planet right now has been built by human beings. But in Hebrews, it tells us Abraham was looking forward to that city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. 
And that could only be speaking of the new Jerusalem. Verse 13 in Hebrews 11, these, all these people in the list, we call Hebrews chapter 11 the faith hall of fame because it recounts the uh, courageous acts of all these people of faith down through the centuries. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Now, some people, they get mad at God. They get upset with God. They turn away from God. They say, well, God just hasn't kept his promises and so on and so forth. These people stood firm. He who endures to the end will be saved. If you have faith, you will trust God till you breathe your last breath because you know that in eternity, all those promises will be fulfilled. And so, they all died in faith. They, did, they didn't die in unbelief. They didn't fall away. They died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar, were assured of them. How do we see God's promises from afar? By doing exactly what we're doing here this morning. Studying His Word, allowing the Holy Spirit to implant the truth of His Word deep within our hearts and our minds, strengthening our faith. So we see the promises from afar. We haven't seen heaven yet, but we know it's real and we know we're going there. Embraced them, the promises, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. See, that's, that's the answer right there, folks. Sometimes we get too friendly with this world. We fall in love with this world. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. We need to always be mindful of the fact that this world is not our home. This is temporary. We are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. And our future lies with God and His eternal kingdom. Hebrews eleven sixteen, But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Yes, God gave the promised land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the children of Israel. But that again was temporary. Now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The very city that we're studying about here in Revelation chapter 21. 1139 of Hebrews. All these people, the ones who died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Again, some people think your good testimony is that you can show off your nice house and your car and your clothes and all that stuff. Kind of goes into the faith teaching prosperity message. No. They obtained a good testimony through faith. When people see you go through the trials and tribulations of this life and that you don't buckle, you don't cave in, you don't give up, that's your testimony. They ask you, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with the loss of your father, your mother, a loved one, a husband, a wife? You seem to be at peace. Yes, I am at peace because the Prince of Peace lives inside of me. That's your testimony. How can you be so cheerful? Your dog got run over, your cat ran away, and your car blew up. 
and yet you seem cheerful, joyful. How can that be? Because I have Jesus in my heart. That's your testimony. You think your testimony is all your junk? There's always somebody with more junk than you have. Huh? Try winning over Bill Gates or Zuckerberg or one of these guys with your prosperity. Try winning them over with that. No, it's standing up under the trials and tribulations of this life. It's dying in faith, not having received the promises because you know that you will. Verse 39 again, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. Their testimony was that they endured in spite of not having received the promise. God having provided something better for us, those of us under the new covenant and Jesus Christ, because they were under the old covenant, yet they still had faith. And the Bible teaches us that even under the old covenant, the righteous were justified by faith. Abraham was justified by faith. It's always been by faith, not by works. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. The new covenant in Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of these very promises that the Old Testament saints looked forward to. And finally, in verse 2 here, chapter 21, John tells us that this new Jerusalem, he saw it coming down out of heaven. This gives a whole new meaning to mobile home. It, <laughs> it takes glamping to a whole new level. Do you know what glamping is? That's the new thing, glamping. It's like luxury trailer camping. Well, this takes glamping to a whole new level. And one final interesting point on the New Jerusalem before we tie things up for today. Chuck Smith the late, great Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, as well as a number of other Bible teachers, believed that the new Jerusalem will actually be suspended over the earth in orbit as our moon is now. This will be our dwelling place, and we will be able to freely travel back and forth from the earth to the new Jerusalem to anywhere in the universe we may desire. Pretty cool, huh? And you thought Star Trek and Star Wars was cool. So quite possibly that is the way this will play out. The New Jerusalem in orbit around the earth. And interestingly, the Bible talks, we saw that this morning about kings and people groups and so forth. So there could be some interesting things awaiting us in eternity. And it talks about we'll rule and reign forever and ever. Not just for a thousand years, but forever and ever. So that brings into question who we will rule and reign over. Interesting thing to ponder. Let's stand. Next week, we'll learn more about our future residents and the most awesome roommate you could ever hope to have. Before we uh, sing our final song this morning, I'd like to Take a moment.
and have some prayer. If you have a prayer request, would you please raise your hand? We'd like to join with you in those prayer requests. Okay, Father, we lift up each one. You see each hand. You know each person. You know them better than they know themselves. You know what's on their hearts and their minds this morning. It could be a health issue for themselves or someone else near and dear to them. We lift up all those uh, with uh, COVID that you bring complete healing to them, Lord. Complete healing and restoration that no one would have any serious outcomes from the COVID virus. But Lord, there's also colds, there's flu, there's um, allergies even now early in the, this early in the year, Lord. We pray for healing for each and every one, Lord, with heart issues, lung issues, cancer. Lord, nothing is too difficult for you. We pray that you would just pour out your healing oil upon all those in need of a physical touch today. Pray also for those with struggling with stress, anxiety, mental and emotional issues. We pray for healing for them as well, Lord. Lord, we lift up those who are um, those who are struggling with relationships today, Lord, and help us to be peacemakers. Help us to be the first ones to reach out and make reconciliation, Lord, as much as possible. Your word tells us we're to be at peace with all men. Lord, help us to do our part and then trust you to do the rest. Lord, we pray for those struggling economically with financial issues. Lord, that you would provide, you promised that you would provide us with that, those daily things that we need, our daily bread. We pray for financial provision for jobs that may be needed here this morning. And Lord, help us to stand strong, just like the people we talked about in the Faith Hall of Fame. Lord, even though we don't see everything that we would like to see happening, we keep our eyes on you, trusting in you, standing in faith, and we know that one way or the other, eventually, all promises in Christ will be fulfilled in your eternal kingdom. So I pray, Lord, your blessings upon each one. I pray for anyone here today that may not have a personal relationship with you, Father. They're still kind of uh, lost in the dark, stumbling around. They know about you, but they don't know you. We ask that you to draw them to yourself today that they might make a personal profession of faith in Christ, confess their sins, repent, and allow your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them, Lord, that they might be born again. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.